I mean, we're talking about saving lives here. It is such a serious issue and we must, and I cannot stress this enough, but we must do everything we can to prevent a whole generation burning out and the severe consequences that has. Your job is to rewire your brain with the power of your own mind. That's what neuroplasticity is all about. That's what the human experience is all about. To uncover and rediscover what we are. Human beings, feeling and thinking beings. And by doing so, creating our experience from a moment-to-moment basis. Expand your consciousness into a world where mindfulness meets neuroscience. My name is Fernanda Lind and I am your host. Welcome back to the Where to Win podcast. I am your host, Fernanda, and I may show my age (laughs) with what I'm about to say here. But um, does anyone else remember when burnout was a term you used for the kids in high school who did too many drugs and seemed to damage their brains permanently? Because that was the primary accepted use of the term until the 19. 70s, when a psychologist began using it to describe the gradual emotional depletion loss of motivation and reduced commitment among volunteers at the St. Mark's Free Clinic in New York City's East Village. If you remember that, uh, yeah. Hello, friend. Anyway, we're going to explore this uh, latter interpretation of burnout on the Wire to Win show today. And specifically, we're going to be talking about how burnout affects the millennial generation. And you might be wondering why. Well, millennials have been defined as the burnout generation. If you didn't know that, that's uh, in a way both fascinating and scary. But the question is why? Well, and and let me say this, defining generations can get a bit messy, but again, for this episode, we're just going to adopt the, I would say, very common definition of millennials falling between the birth years of 1981 and 1996. So at the time of this recording, millennials are all of you ages around 26 through 41. So in other words, the group of people is supposed to be in the like prime of life, the best years, building careers, starting families, like all those things described as the years where we're settling into life and becoming who we wanted to be. But for so many millennials, those feelings of this is what it's all about have yet to be materialized. And instead, we see a generation that feels above all burned out. And I want to add that we're talking about millennials and as the media has written extensively about this issue for millennials, but this applies to us older generations as well, okay? So just stay with me, friends, here because this is very, very important and it is absolutely crucial for anyone in leadership and maybe you are also leading millennials. So for decades, millennials have been stereotyped as lazy, as rude, entitled. And at a glance, it appeared that a large chunk of the new adults was simply dropping the ball on everything, right? So previous generations had managed to lose things with ease and then enter millennials and they struggled with things or dropped the ball, just being lazy. So after all, again, we have the boomers, the Gen Xers like myself, we are able to And again, maybe buy homes, save for retirement, raise families, be active in our communities. But beneath 
the surface, the truth is that millennials, and I want to actually include a lot of Gen Xers here as well, and me included, are simply dealing with far more than previous generations. And as a result, are struggling with a relatively new phenomenon, again, that we call burnout. And we've talked about burnout a lot on the show before, but today I want to dig into why this condition affects millennials at such a high rate, because burnout as a health condition was first introduced in the 1970s by American psychologist Herbert Frunenberger. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing the last name correctly. But for decades, it was considered a rare condition confined just to workers in stressful service industries, like nurses and therapists working with vulnerable populations, like the houseless and survivors of domestic violence. Burnout was considered a consequence of careers that kept workers in just a heightened emotional state. And eventually, uh, these Uh, This psychologist said that these workers would experience emotional depletion, loss of motivation, and reduced commitment. But in the decades following that theory, burnout spread throughout the globe. And it's been following the path of socioeconomic development. So first Europe, then the Middle East, Latin America, finally Africa, China, the Indian subcontinent. And burnout appeared as people's lives got better. Like by again, like better by the usual indicators of the good life, like economy, social stability. So it was not until countries with universal health care, like Sweden, where I live, where we're based, uh, and again, where I was raised, began recognizing this stress-related exhaustion disorder as a legitimate health concern. So millennials were born smack dab in the middle of the burnout spread raised by parents who had experienced childhood and young adulthood during a time of relative economic and political stability. It was widely believed millennials would inherit and continue to build on that foundation. I mean, after all, until this point in history, new generations were mostly better off than those who came before them. There was no reason to think this trend would not continue, right? Well, it hasn't. Millennials lag far behind where their parents were at their age. They have less savings, less equity, less stability. Plus, they have a new burden that did not exist before them. They have also massive student loan debt. While previous generations benefited from, again, like the golden age, you want to call it that, of capitalism, expansion of workers' rights, increased access to higher education. Millennials have received what? Well, 2008, the financial crisis, the decline of the middle class, the rise of the 1%, the erosion of unions, the free, I think also shrinkage of healthcare coverage globally. And to add to that, we're also talking the pandemic, raging inflation, the effect globally on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's absolutely insane. And an argument against the validity of burnout is that there are generations who experienced turmoil before millennials, yeah, wars, depression, denial of civil rights, and more. And they all came out the other side. So why cannot millennials just pull up their bootstraps and do the same? Like, what is the real problem here? Well, here's why. Our society's continued advances have come with incredible stress. And we can look at a beginning in childhood, and I bet, I bet a lot of you relate to this. Before millennials, children, I mean, enjoyed a lot of unstructured free time. 
I mean, had a lot of time to be bored. I mean, I remember a lot of my childhood <laughs> just being like bored. They started school around age six, spent their afternoons playing in the neighborhood, like weekends watching cartoons, maybe enjoying a simple activities. Like before millennials, that was the reality. But in the 80s, a shift toward optimization happened. We've seen preschools with very strict curriculums emerging. Supervised play dates became the norm. Like weekends were organized uh, for sports. Uh, I mean, you have a whole generation who grew up in a very structured, stressful life uh, from their earliest memories. Again, like having to be optimized. And then came high school, again, a new shift toward competitive, very specialized learning. I mean, again, like you have to be really, really focused. No longer were students just graduating at 18, like with a general education, kind of accepted everywhere just to enter the workforce. Instead, millennials had specialized courses, dozens of elective classes, internships, a pressure to begin choosing a path before their brains were even fully matured. I mean, even it's crazy if you think about it. And all of this was on top of the traditional high school experiences of sports and clubs and friends and first romances and family obligation and all the other social aspects. And again, at, age, at I think 18, these young adults were forced to choose to continue their education which would be funded by student loans with variable interest rates or, again, competing for the small pool of well-paying jobs available to those without a degree. And when millennials do enter the workforce, they are competing now, today, if you look at it, globally, competing with millions of others who have nearly identical education and experiences. So many millennials hopped on the corporate level on a subterranean rung with unpaid internships. Again, like barely above minimum wage roles. And this is, by the way, how my career started as well. And I mean, the millennials today watching as benefits like employer-matched retirement funds, pensions, healthcare, vacation days, all this is shrinking, has been shrinking into the past. And after graduating in debt, starting at the bottom of the corporate ladder, millennials look toward the next hurdling and, 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 and again, like the adulthood milestone of home ownership. And again, what a mess, if we think about it, from the uh, Lehman crisis and even till today, like housing costs in general have skyrocketed in millennials' lifetime. And again, so home ownership becomes simply unattainable for a lot of them. And that massive disconnect leaves millennials working their ass off and still unable to afford a home. I mean, what does that kind of disconnect lead to? So, well, you guessed it right. It leads to burnout. We detach, we lose motivation, we are emotionally exhausted from doing everything right and not having what we thought we would have to show for it. The American uh, TV series or the, the version of The Office that I hope you have watched continues to be one of the most popular series on streaming platforms and 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 by the way kind of sidetrack here but if you have not yet watched the original version the british version created by the genius ricky gervais you must watch it i kid you not when i say that i've probably watched that show at least a minimum of 10 times <laughs> absolutely brilliant amazing anyway back to the point i'm trying to make here that 
show, the American version of The Office, for example, uh, it's extremely popular. And why? The question is why. It's interesting, isn't it? Because for millennials, which is the show's largest audience, believe it or not, it provides an escape into the career they thought they could have. A bit boring, sure, but also on the, you know, the, it, it, it's low stress. It pays a living wage, it comes with benefits, has opportunities for advancement without a string of degrees. Like one where even a bumbling degree-free boss like Steve Carroll's and, and his role of Michael Scott, yeah, can climb the ladder of leadership while still maintaining a personal life, even though it's the, it's an awkward one. And one where you and your spouse can each earn enough as a salesperson and a receptionist to buy a home, put your children into daycare. Like what would have been the bare minimum for millennials is now a pipe dream. Like watched and re-watched for comfort. And again, if you ever do a rewatch of The Office, you're going to notice that the characters are mercilessly free of another stressor millennials deal with around-the-clock connectedness. Like, they have no smartphones. They have party photos taken on digital camera and posted on a bulletin board, not spread across social media. I mean, everyone shuts down their computers and leaves their workplace at 5 p.m. Instead, millennials are always connected. And I mean, this is not only for millennials. I think for all of us. And this is increasingly seen as an expectation across work and personal time. And with all that connectivity comes increased stress, which leads, again, to burnout. So how can we not feel emotionally depleted when each time we check our phone, we see now not only gazillion work emails demanding our attention at all times, but we see a new article about mass shooting or unsafe world in a war and Instagram post about, about maybe an acquaintance asking for help funding their mother's cancer treatment because it's not covered by insurance or a realtor's listing of a started home for a million dollars. I mean, it's all juxtaposed against influencers who appear to be living on a perpetual vacation, like all these beach vibes and eternal sunsets, like really people, what's up with that? So friends, we have not even begun to scratch the surface of the emotional reasons millennials suffer burnout. And of course, finances and workplace stressors contribute to burnout, but millennials have become adults amidst seriously emotionally taxing times. And millennials have faced issues threatening their personal lives and their planet climate risk becoming even more urgent, with little done to resolve these clear and present dangers. And here I believe we have come full circle to why so many millennials are not voting, because they are burned out. Mm. And I'm not telling all this, again, to convince you to be kinder to millennials, if you are not one or, or throw a pity party for you, if you are, okay? I'm sharing this because I think it is important to acknowledge how real and valid this phenomenon is. And I also want you to know that it does not have to be this way. In episode 27, I broke down how you could avoid burnout. So if you have not listened to that one yet, scroll back through the feed and please give it a listen. It is going to help you. So, but you may be wondering, uh, you'd be like, hey, but Fernanda, why did you make another episode on burnout if you've already solved it? (laughs) 
Well, friends, I can help you personally learn to live your life burnout free, but we need to address this issue on a way larger scale. Because again, while we are sitting in the C-suite or managing our own burnout and taking care of our mental health, the millennials across our organizations are struggling and they are struggling for specific reasons that we now better understand and can work to address. And my invitation for you as a woman in a leadership position is to choose to be part of the change that is needed globally. We have a big responsibility in addressing these serious issues and we cannot have people burning out. We cannot have a whole generation burning out at an alarming rate that we see now. And lately I've heard several stories of women collapsing, dying, taking their own lives because they were severely burned out. I mean, we're talking about saving lives here. It is such a serious issue and we must... And I cannot stress this enough, but we must do everything we can to prevent a whole generation burning out and the severe consequences that has. And again, it begins with us. It it begins with leaders, people in power, taking action and taking responsibility. We need to change the way we work and the way we live and lead. And you're listening to this show because... I know you want to rewire your brain to be happier, healthier, and more successful than ever. I mean, you would not be listening to this show if that was not you. I know you are a great leader. You are moving into sustainability. You know your worth and you value the worth of others. So let's work to solve this problem, okay? I'm going to give you some ideas today for solutions you can start implementing right away in your organization or your company if you're a founder, along with long-term goals that we can work towards. So number one, right now, I want you to stop the always-on mindset. Again, millennials' burnout is caused in part by the constant connectivity demanded by many employers today. And even in their time off, many workers are expected to keep up with email, answer, you know, any Slack ping, answering their phones, general being available. And this is especially true of remote workers who have no physical boundaries separating their work and personal life. And as leaders, we can make it clear that we respect their time off and set an example by not participating in making requests during their non-working hours. And as a bonus, setting strict boundaries around time is also beneficial for our own personal well-being. Number two, Develop relationships. I know you're busy. I mean, being at the top, you're super, super busy. I get it. Like you don't have time to be friends with everyone in your organization. I mean, nor should you have to. But building relationships can start with simple acts. And this is really important. Again, like building, connecting with people that work for you. Eye contact, smiles, saying hello, learning people's names, stopping you for a second and just like what's going on if you can't take time you know to get to know people get to know their different roles their processes the obstacles they face like what is it that they do when millennial workers see you as a relatable person they're going to be more likely to speak up about things that are causing them burnout and they're going to experience less stress and you will get to know your organization better and of course that is crucial in order to create change or make things better. And the last thing, um, short term, 
and this is again like three quick short-term things, short-term things you can think about. The third one is give easy perks. I mean, it's easy to fall into the mindset of thinking the employees are already fairly compensated, so like they don't need anything else. But here's the thing, not only millennials, but but I want to say people, employees thrive on freebies. A 2018 survey showed that millennials were more likely to become repeat customers of a brand if it included free perks like sample products, merch, membership benefits. So it's not a stretch to say the same principle applies to the workplace. I mean, we're not talking about giving uh, free merch and be like, yeah, they're going to be happy and not burn out because I gave them (laughs) a t-shirt. Not at all. But here's what we're talking about. Noticing what they need. Letting a team take a half day off on a Friday summer afternoon will likely cost you nothing in lost productivity, but will provide employees with a much needed few hours to build some burnout insulation. And this is really, really valuable to start looking. What is it that they need and how can you meet those needs? So that kind of perks. So let's shift into long term. Number one, I want you to advocate for benefits. We know that much of millennials burnout is caused by financial stressors. And as leaders, we must push for benefits that help to offset these stressors. It is a crucial step towards sustainability and does much to improve reputation, loyalty, image of the company. Healthcare benefits that allow for parental leave. I mean, in Sweden, we have amazing parental benefits and parental leave for both the mother and the father. And I mean, I wish the whole world could adopt the same. But we're also talking about advocating for benefits like mental health services. Again, I think Sweden, we are at the forefront on this, but this is crucial globally. Also, alternative treatments uh, provide profound peace of mind for burnt out employees and enable them to seek treatment for burnout related symptoms. Again, a lot of the work that my company does is preventing burnout and helping leaders and workers become resilient and creating the mindset they need in order to become really, really impactful leaders. And again, like advocating for those kind of benefits in the workplace is crucial. Talking about tuition reimbursement, childcare assistance also can have a significant impact on reducing burnout. Number two that I want you to do is to address burnout vertically. Like we've discussed the benefits of planning vertically in terms of sustainable leadership practices, which is also a great way to address burnout. Include employees from all tiers in planning ways to address burnout in your workplace. You will receive diverse perspectives, you're going to receive better buy-in, and you're going to avoid lost time and resources spent on wellness incentives that address only a small portion of workers. All right, and number three, I want you to treat burnout with real change. I personally had an experience in a high-stress role where each week during a meeting, the CEO would say like, I understand you are all stressed, you're all burnt out, but I just need you to keep pushing. I will, It will get better. Just keep going. And sometimes they would throw like a meaningless perk at us to placate us, like desserts, like Friday cake or social hours. But they never actually addressed the root causes or provided people with real resources to cope. Don't be that leader. 
Being a leader who says they are aware of burnout and does nothing to address it is, in my opinion, more frustrating than one who just pretends it doesn't exist. So again, build a reputation as a leader who believes, who empathizes with and solves burnout issues within the organization. And finally, I want to leave you with a reminder to be aware of your own burnout. As a leader, you must practice what you preach. I mean, again, taking care of yourself first so you can care for others, the oxygen mask and all that. Like we're building a sustainable future here and a sustainable future begins with a sustainable mind and that begins as well with being sustainable leaders and it begins with you. So please take good care of yourself. Take good care of your people this week. And if you haven't yet, make sure you are subscribed to the show. Also check out the show notes to learn how you can work with us to strengthen your leadership, prevent burnout, and become a sustainable world-class leader. Again, thank you for listening. I'm excited for next week's episode. I'm going to see you back here next time on the Wire to Win podcast. Wherever you are in the world, have a beautiful day or evening. Bye, everyone.